I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues, limited government, and decentralization. This is the Wednesday, February 25th edition of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. Today we are going to look at some progressive idiocy relating to nullification. Last week, Ron Paul made some comments that sent the establishment on both the left and the right into apoplectic fits. Dr. Paul had the audacity to suggest that states can nullify unconstitutional federal acts, or that regions might want to secede from centralized monopoly government. That's crazy talk, right? We all know monopolies are great! Well, apparently, Rika Christensen, a columnist at some progressive website called Addicting Info, thinks so. The headline of her article called Ron Paul a, quote, supreme tiny government moron. Because, again, big centralized monopoly institutions are just great for the little guy. Every progressive knows that, right? It seems Christensen's major problem with Ron Paul is the fact that he advocates for nullification. She asserts that, quote, nullification of the type that Ron Paul wants is, quite frankly, illegal. Our founding fathers considered it a bad idea. She goes on to cite the Heritage Foundation to prove her point. Now, I find this pretty amusing. I'm going to guess that Miss Christensen has never agreed with anything the Heritage Foundation has ever said. Ever. But boy, she's happy to trot out the premier neocon think tank to debunk nullification. That right there should tell you something. When an establishment lefty marches in lockstep with establishment right-wingers in opposition to something, that probably indicates that it's a really really good idea. So anyway, here's something I'm wondering about. The good folks at Addicting Info hate nullification, right? It's illegal, right? We should always follow federal law, right? States should vigorously enforce the dictates of our overlords in Washington, D.C., right? So that means Christensen and her cohorts want state police to start arresting medical marijuana users. I mean, it's against federal law. We can't have sick people relieving their pain in defiance of a federal mandate now, can we? I mean, the Supreme Court justices have said it's illegal. So I'm eagerly awaiting Christensen's column on how Washington and Colorado and Alaska must immediately repeal their marijuana laws. And while we're on the subject, 
Surely Christensen loathes northern abolitionists, right? They defied federal law by protecting fugitive slaves through personal liberty laws. These were nullification laws passed by state legislatures. They did things like deny facilities such as jails to slave catchers. And some of them even prohibited state officials from assisting in fugitive slave rendition. The Massachusetts personal liberty law made it an impeachable offense for any state official to participate in a fugitive slave hearing. The Wisconsin legislature actually declared the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 unconstitutional, null, and void. Maybe Addicting Info will publish a story condemning the Underground Railroad and the small government morons in northern legislatures who had the audacity to nullify federal laws in protecting black people. Wait, what? That's not nullification? Uh, yes it is. Any set of acts that renders a federal law null, void, or simply unenforceable within the borders of the state counts as nullification. Now, I know a lot of times when people talk about nullification, they're thinking about the John C. Calhoun brand of nullification that actually physically took on the feds. But that's not really what the modern nullification movement is about. James Madison provided the blueprint for the modern nullification movement in Federalist 46. During the ratification debates, the founding generation wrestled with the question, what will we do if the federal government oversteps its bounds? It was understood that the Constitution was creating a limited federal government with specific enumerated powers. And many opponents of the Constitution challenged the Federalists and said, hey, how are we going to ensure that the federal government doesn't do things it's not supposed to. Well, Madison wrote that the means of opposition is powerful and at hand. He went on to list several actions that states could take to thwart unwarranted actions, and even what he called unpopular warranted actions. Among the steps Madison recommended was, quote, refusal to cooperate with officers of the union, unquote. He argued that even a single state employing this strategy would present serious impediments. And he said where the sentiments of several adjoining states happened to be in union, it would present obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. Nearly all modern nullification efforts today rely on refusal to cooperate with the federal government. This strategy does indeed create obstructions because the feds rely on state assistance and resources for almost everything they do. When states withdraw support, the federal government finds itself in a position where it simply can't implement its programs or enforce its mandates. It lacks the resources and manpower to do so. This leads to nullification in practice and effect. Now the Christiansons of the world want you to think that nullification is illegal. When they tell you this, they are either completely ignorant or they're lying. There is nothing that says states have to cooperate with the federal government as it violates your rights or for any other reason for that matter. This nullification strategy relies on the well-established anti-commandeering doctrine. This legal principle rests primarily on four Supreme Court cases. Justice Scalia summed up the anti-commandeering doctrine when he wrote the majority opinion in Prince versus U.S. back in 1996. He said, we hold in the New York case that Congress cannot compel the states to enact or enforce a federal regulatory program. 
Today, we hold that Congress cannot circumvent that prohibition by conscripting the state's officers directly. The federal government may neither issue directives requiring the states to address particular problems, nor command the state's officers or those of their political subdivisions to administer or enforce a federal regulatory program. It matters not whether policymaking is involved, and no case-by-case -case weighing of the burdens or benefits is necessary. Such commands are fundamentally incompatible with our constitutional system of dual sovereignty. So nullification in the way it's being approached in almost every situation today is perfectly legal, even sanctioned by the non-politically connected lawyers serving on the Supreme Court. Today, there are over 250 nullification bills under consideration in state legislatures across the country. Some of these bills would defy FDA mandates and allow terminally ill patients access to experimental, unapproved treatments. Some would prohibit state enforcement of federal gun laws that violate the Second Amendment. Some would deny material support or resources to federal agencies engaged in warrantless spying, agencies like the NSA. And some of these bills seek to withdraw states from implementation of Obamacare. Almost all of these 250 bills rely on the anti-commandeering doctrine. Opponents of nullification want to lump every nullification strategy together. They want you to believe that all we want is the John C. Calhoun brand of nullification that sought a physical confrontation with the federal government. But in the vast majority of cases, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a perfectly legitimate legal course of action, refusing cooperation with the federal government, and in so doing, nullifying unconstitutional acts in practice and effect. For more information about state efforts to resist federal power, check out 10thamendmentcenter.com. 10th is all spelled out. And you can go to our bill tracking page, and you can see all of these 250 bills and how they're working their way through the legislative process. And next time one of these monopolists calls you extreme for actually thinking we should limit federal power, just tell them you're happy to join the ranks of other extremists like James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, and even Alexander Hamilton. The name callers and naysayers on both the left and right can have their centralized monopoly government. I mean, it's worked out so well for them so far, right? Well, that's it for this edition of Thoughts from Meharry Head. Please tune in again next week, and thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you're welcome to email me at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Again, 10th is all spelled out. It's michael.meharry, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y. I'd love to hear from you. Again, thank you for listening, and have a great day.